welcome to tits up when things go tits up they're broken tits up can also mean brave up and get on with it this is what we do as mothers when things are broken we pull up our big girl pants and we wade through the muck this episode of tits up is sponsored by kiara q-i-a-r-a so I had I had my two children. I had a, a twelve month old at the time, and then a two and a half year old, two or three weeks pregnant at the time that I had surgery. So too early to know. Did not see that coming. It kind of felt like a freight train. I would just cry at the drop of a hat. You know, normally always after bedtime when nothing else was around. But I would lose my bundle. But also has really really good long-term prospects. It's rarely a cancer that, you know, that takes anyone's life. And I'm just sitting on my phone Googling radioactive iodine and what the heck this means and everything I found incompatible with breastfeeding, can't do this, you know, like what it would do to my baby. Yeah, I think that's it. The child is going to be okay, but it's about us too. She kind of looked at me and she said, so when you come home from hospital, then you can put the milk back in your boobies. I'm doing a podcast. Go away for a moment, please. Hey, Dave, you can edit that bit out. Tits up. <laughs> Hello and welcome. Our Tits Up guest today is Kate Visser. Kate is sharing her cancer diagnosis while pregnant and her journey through her illness as a mum of two little ones and a newborn. Kate's an experienced midwife, nurse and international board certified lactation consultant from the New South Wales Central Coast. She's a proud mummer of three who somehow survives without coffee, gold star for Kate, and knows what it's like to need professional breastfeeding support that's holistic and timely. Her life's work is to see you thrive and flourish in the journey you want to have. She's passionate about providing education through courses and consultations to give you the best start at breastfeeding. She's developed her own range of products to make your journey informed, comfortable and simpler. Her goal is simple. Keep breastfeeding simple and relevant. Love that. Welcome, Kate. Thank you, Pinky. So lovely to be here. First up, Kate, let's get right into it. As a mum of two toddlers and pregnant, can you tell us how you discovered you had cancer and what type of cancer? Uh, It was an absolute journey. So I, I had surgery planned for... March of 2021, I'm starting to blur all my gears together. It's terrible. Um, and so I had, I had my two children. I had a, a 12-month-old at the time and then a two-and-a-half-year-old. Yes. And so it was hectic, um, but I had basically discovered a nodule in, on my thyroid. So it basically just presented as like a mass on my neck. Um, to which my auntie very, very kindly and gently and delicately pointed out and said, oh, darling, you know, I don't want to be rude, but have you, you know, have you had your thyroid checked? And I looked in the mirror and I was mortified. There's literally, I don't know how I had ever missed it. There was quite a significant lump on my neck. So I went and saw my GP and did the testing rounds and back and forth and all negative saw a surgeon he said yeah let's take it out and I that was not what I was expecting um but he said look it's it's big it's you know it looks fine but better out than in if you're gonna have another baby it's probably only gonna get bigger these things don't get smaller no word of cancer whatsoever no concern um and so that was probably a few months uh later um, but yeah in March had the surgery had half my thyroid out Even then they said, yep, all good, all clear, happy days, carry on. Um, What I did not know at that point that I would have been like two or three weeks pregnant at the time that I had surgery, so too early to know. Um, But it meant that when I went back for my follow-up appointment, that was brought forward and I did not think anything of it. I thought, oh, goodness, maybe my surgeon is operating on the day of my scheduled appointment, I'm doing him a favour. Yes, sure, I'll come in. I've just got to bring my two kids. That's fine. No worries. I'll be there. Didn't arrange childcare, dragged my kids in, blowing up balloons in the room as the word cancer gets thrown around. And that was the last thing I had ever anticipated. 
Um, I'm a little bit naive sometimes in moments um, and I don't kind of take in the whole picture. Uh, and that was definitely one of them. That's one of two very penultimate moments where I did not see that coming and it kind of felt like a freight train. Um, and so my surgeon said, right, so we'll schedule surgery for next week. We'll take the other half out. You know, it's all treatable, righty, righty. You'll be fine. Off we go. And I said, oh, can I just interject before we go any further? And uh, he said, yeah, what's up? And I said, oh, I'm, uh, I'm six weeks pregnant. And he goes, okay, well, yep, that complicates things. But anyway, it's all good. You know, hash through the plan of, well, just, you know, carry on being pregnant we'll, as soon as you have your baby, surgery, no breastfeeding treatment, that's it, on your way. And I walked out, you know, again, blowing up balloons, popping balloons, bits and pieces here, there, here, there. Um, and I was like, what just happened? Like, what just happened? Get the kids in the car, do the buckles up. Mom, snacks. Yep, throwing snacks. Starts to rain, throwing stuff in. And then I'm like, I've got cancer. I've got cancer. What, what is this? And um, it was just the most... Freight train is the only word that I've got. Like, it truly is because I just don't know how else to describe being 29, um, having two kids with you, being a mother of two and being six weeks pregnant and being told you've got cancer. Like, it literally is a, is a freight train. Um, and I just wanted to have a normal pregnancy. I just thought I was thinking this is going to be possibly our last baby very realistically our last baby um and I just want this to be everything I wanted it to be but suddenly it just felt like that took a huge back seat um so it was up there with up there with the hardest thing I think I've ever had to hear and then deal with because really for the next you know till midway through my pregnancy it was all kind of consultations with um, specialists around treatment and what that looked like and what my options were and really navigating that and that was really emotionally heavy and burdensome and all the while I'm trying to go to shifts as a midwife I'm trying to look after my two kids I'm trying to build my business and um, you know and do lactation consultations and trying to keep all those other hats on all the while feeling like I am literally just dropping balls left, right and centre and I would just cry at the drop of the hat, you know, normally always after bedtime, you know, when nothing else was around, but I would lose my bundle and pregnancy hormones don't help. <laughs> no, what a load. Like a wheelbarrow full of rocks and then the tyres have gone. Uh, it really did. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, it was just a lot. It was just a lot to carry. Um, and it wasn't, it wasn't that like that I couldn't do it. It wasn't that, you know, I was worried about my life because I knew that with uh, a diagnosis of thyroid cancer, it has such, uh, such easy, easy, quote unquote, treatment, um, but also has really, really good long-term prospects. It's rarely a cancer that, you know, that takes anyone's life. Um, so, like, I, you know, I know all that, but I still had to do it. And that was the hardest thing. That was kind of the biggest grieving point for me and something that I still come back to and say, I just don't want to do it, um, which, you know, is relatable for many seasons of life um, when things get difficult. It's just that I know it's going to be okay. I know I'm going to get through it. I know I'm going to do it, but I just don't want to do it. It's just a really heavy burden to carry. Um, so, yeah, really really marred that you know kind of that first half of my pregnancy even kind of two-thirds of the way through um it was just really hard is an Ooh. understatement well it couldn't be a joyous thing you couldn't really plan because your thyroid did you find it it was to your thyroid was totally buggered up anyway like you know the the way it controls the rest of your body and if you're hyper or if you're hypo or you know was it swinging around a bit were you I I was really fortunate that it wasn't, it was actually quite normal, um, you know, in terms of um, thyroid stimulating hormone levels. Um, I wasn't 
over or underactive before surgery. So like even with my diagnosis, it was still, that was still all normal. Um, and even after the initial surgery of having half of my thyroid and that large nodule taken out, um, it was only like mildly underactive. Um, and it wasn't, it was really easily managed. So I didn't really notice too much during my pregnancy. The wheels kind of really fell off after I had my second surgery. Um, and I had that when I was two weeks postpartum. So I went back into hospital with a two-week-old baby. Yeah, that was also not really fun, but, you know, do what you got to do, don't you? Um, so two weeks postpartum had that and then about a month or so later, I really felt that big hormonal crash and I felt the effects since. So since having zero thyroid tissue, um, I've really started to feel it. And, again, you know, that's kind of part and parcel of, you know, when we talk about cancer treatment, sometimes we just talk about, um, you know, medication. We don't necessarily talk about surgery and the effects of that, um, you know, even for other kinds of surgery, not even specifically related to cancer treatment. Um, but surgery is a major intervention and, you know, kind of how that affects our body is just totally. huge. Yeah. 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 Not something that I was really prepared for. Certainly nothing that was discussed with me, um, you know, so it was just... Yeah, really quite challenging in that aspect. So you had half the thyroid out when you had that first lump out? Yes, yes. I only had half out to start with because they thought it was all fine. They just thought, let's just right. yeah. take, the, take the lump, we'll take that half out. Um, you should be fine for the rest of your life. We'll just live with the other half. Um, and it was only, uh, yeah, like a, a few weeks later when they did the pathology from uh, that initial surgery that they went, oh, goodness me. Basically, the entire nodule was cancerous and there was also a second nodule with a, there was two kinds of uh, cancer. There was papillary and follicular cancer um, mixed in there um, with no, no clear margin, so some of that tissue is still mm. remaining, which is why I go on to need uh, further treatment. Um, so have you had to do radioactive iodine as well and how did that impact your breastfeeding? I will have to do it. So that was part of the discussion that we had back and forth repeatedly with multiple specialists while I was pregnant. So the initial plan I was given was, okay, Kate, you will give birth to your baby in November. Please let us know if you birth early because we will reschedule your surgery. So it's a little bit earlier. Otherwise, let's schedule in your surgery for early December, hoping that you're going to birth on time I was like okay that's no worries sure that sounds fantastic uh and then I was told basically once you're healed so let's give it three four weeks um sounds great happy new year's to me let's do treatment and that would be radioactive iodine um I was very politely told look you know you can't breastfeed with that but that's fine you know we've we've come a long way formula's fantastic and I tried to catch my breath and say do you know do you know who you're talking to like, I, I know. Often, this is Kate. And Kate was, were you still breastfeeding when you fell pregnant? Yes. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I'm thinking yeah. you were still being breastfeeding, your one-year-old, while you were pregnant. Yeah. Yes, exactly. She roomed in with me in hospital for that visit. I advocated for my 12-and-a-half-month-old child to stay with me because she was still breastfeeding. And they managed to let me through COVID lockdown. Um so, yeah, she was still very much so feeding. She's still feeding to this day, um, and so she's two and a half. Um, but it was just this Tell Kate wild, you can't breastfeed. Wrong this person. wild ride of you can't. And I went, sorry, what? So then it just started. I, 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 I viscerally remember sitting in the front seat of my car. I had, by this point, my, my, my then 12-month-old asleep in the car because she was exhausted and my other one very fortunately occupied by ABC kids, God bless them. Um, and I'm just sitting on my phone Googling radioactive iodine and what the heck this means and everything I found incompatible with breastfeeding, can't do this, you know, like what it would do to my baby, um, how devastating the effects would be and what this all looks like. And I just sat there and just sobbed. Um, and some people kind of go, like there's this perception that it's just about breast milk. And I think, you know, you would totally get this pinky that when we, when we work with mums about breastfeeding, it's not just about 
one certain thing. It's not just about the milk. It's not, you know, it's so much bigger than that. If we try and downplay it to just about milk, then we're doing a disservice to mums and babies and, you know, to to motherhood and matrescence and every, every kind of everything to do with all of that. For me, the part that took me a long time to articulate was that it removed choice from the way that I wanted to mother. It wasn't about breastfeeding. It wasn't about breast milk. I knew that if I had to, that I, you know, I could figure out bottle feeding. I've never bottled a better baby before. I had no idea. My girl's never taken a bottle. Yes, I'd helped other people how to do it, but I had no idea what this looked like for me personally. Um, so I had to figure I can do this. I could, you know, like I could, I could get donor milk. It's, it's, it's not about that. I can work, I can work through this. But it was the, I don't want to mother in any other way. Like I just, mothering through breastfeeding, isn't mothering it? Mothering through breastfeeding. When you've had two children like that, it becomes your go-to. It becomes your tool for mothering. It's not just about absolutely. Like, you know, you could give them purple juice and. As long as totally. you still, you know, <laughs> it's not about Nothing. the milk. It's about the the connection Nothing, and, the, and yeah. the mothering tool and the calming it and everything else. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, a style. Yeah. Yep. And so, you know, I had quite a few friends say, you know, like really come to me like as, as gracefully and as gently that, as they could and say, look, I understand where you're coming from, Kate. And these were, these were all mums who had bottle fed their babies or, you know, not, uh, you know, hadn't really kind of breastfed past the newborn period. And I know that they were coming to me in genuine kindness and really trying to um, support and encourage me. And what they were often saying was, like, it, it's going to be okay. I know that you're worried about that bond and that connection with your baby and how this is, you know, and mothering and all of that. But can I just tell you that it is going to be okay that, you know, I still have a beautiful connection with my child. And, um, you know, even though I didn't breastfeed for, you know, for, for however long, and I knew that, like, you know, again, we There's go no back doubt to our about it. Yeah, every mother I'm has not, that connection. That's not it. Yeah. It's, it's a, I think it's a continuity of your sexuality or something. You know, you yeah. grow a, make a baby, grow a baby, and the next part of the continuum is to feed that baby. It's, it's yes. much deeper. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it wasn't even, you know, like, certainly part of that whole conversation, like, you know, that whole discussion was going, Look, selfishly, I'm just so used to also roll like waking up in the middle of the night, rolling over and popping a boob out and putting a baby back to sleep. I don't know how to get a baby back to sleep. Like how fragmented is my sleep gonna look? And you know, I I think with time I've allowed myself to feel those kind of selfish emotions um and go, you know what, that's actually okay because that's part of mothering motherhood and or whatnot. We don't always do things just to benefit our child. Sometimes we do things to to I think that's it. It's not, yeah, I think that's it. The child is going to be okay, but it's about us too. Yes, totally, totally. Um, so I was like, it's got to be, you know, breastfeeding is that two-way street. It's got to work for me. It's got to work for my baby. Um, and, you know, like I knew that my baby would be fine. And, you know, kind of like that toxic positivity, really. Of the, I know, I know this. I know this. I can reframe it like that. I can reframe it like this. But at the end of the day, this sucks and this is the choice that's been taken away from me. Um, and very fortunately, after multiple specialists and back and forth and some really negative experiences and really um, hard to hear conversations from some specialists of, you know, like, don't you want to be here long term for your kids? And, Ooh. you know, Ooh. Ouch. really hideous remarks that should never have been said um that I finally met my current specialist who straight up said look I think it is absolutely appropriate from a risk benefit ratio for you to be able to breastfeed for 12 months um and we I would not suggest delaying it any longer than that um and then planning treatment and that to me just went oh like this big deep breath in and sigh of relief to go you know what like that's so much better than not breastfeeding at all you know like the idea of not even being able to give my newborn baby colostrum yeah was just 
dumbfounding. Um, and there was no other treatment option. You know, I had to have radioactivity. There's nothing else, nothing else that's, you know, safe for me and safe for baby long term. And that's okay. Um, but that almost like that gift of 12 months is just. Well, it takes away the immediate pressure too, because you can deal with 12 hugely. months in 12 months' time. Hugely. Um, and it, yeah, it kind of gave me space to be able to like reframe my goals and kind of make it work for me. It's kind of like, well, okay, if this is what I got, if I've got 12 months where my boobs are going to work and they're allowed to work, <laughs> mm. then what, what is this going to look like? And so for me, it was like, okay, well, I want my child to have breast milk into the toddler years. Um, you know, like my first child was had only weaned, you know, like around the time that I had um, the follow-up surgery. So she was three and a half. Um, so I was like, you know, I, I want I want natural term weaning, but for this baby, so what's it going to look like? And I thought, well, there's such a gap in time between when I need to wean and when I could even consider relactating and that's, you know, a big topic. Um, so I decided, you know what, I'm just going to pump. Like I'm just going to start somewhere and I'm just going to pump. If I could get like, you know, 30, 40 mil a day to cover me while I've, um, after weaning, then that's cool. However long it lasts me, even if I can't relactate, that'll be super cool. And I sit on the other end of that now where I've almost finished pumping because I just can't do it anymore. Like it's absolutely exhausting. Um, but I'm also going away and life, you know, is kind of happening and I need to start to look at dwindling down my supply a little bit. And I feel nervous putting numbers to it because people get really, really triggered by that. And I'm very conscious of that, but I do have an entire chest freezer full. And I look at that and I wow. just think that is just love personified to me because I have worked every single day. I've pumped twice a day, every single day for like eight months or something. And Tommy's eight um, months now. Yeah, he's eight months now. So pretty much from the get-go wow. um, just pumped full time. And... Some days more than others, but it's a habit that I kept because I knew that if I stopped, then one day would lead to another where I didn't do it. Um, and then that kind of creates a habit of not. <laughs> so it's a lot easier to kind of keep that oversupply when you just, you know, make and a habit. And meanwhile, you're still breastfeeding a toddler and your baby. Yeah. Yeah. So I do, look, it is something that I, I'm very well aware that I will look back on. <laughs> When, you know, like my kids are older and think, oh, okay, you had rocks in your head. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you were nuts. Like who thought that was a good idea? But to me it mattered and for me to get through this yeah. season, I had to, like I, I genuinely had to do something. I don't, I, I can't sit here every single day and like directly feeding him is fantastic and I'm very thankful for each day that goes by that I can but the idea of getting to a point where I can't give him breast milk and, you know, like I'm, you know, I, I certainly could have given him donor milk and I've had some incredible heartfelt offers for women willing to be those milk mums for me in that space of time. But I'm super thankful that I respond really well to a pump and have no issues pumping and no issues with milk supply. So I've been able to do that. So I kind of mm. feel like I'm take, almost taking from another baby um, but it feels like it's a gift that I can continue to give my own baby. So I'm really thankful I've been able to do that. That's amazing. Yeah. So what's happening yeah. now? What treatment have you had since? So you're saying at two weeks old, you had to have some surgery. Yeah. So yeah, two weeks after I gave birth to Tommy, I had the other side of my thyroid out as well as some lymph nodes. Um, and that was... Not too bad, I think, just because I've done the surgery before. You know, nothing's fun with a newborn. You know, I have absolute respect for mums going back into hospital feeling atrocious with mastitis and a newborn. It was really, you know, like dripping the arm, like just uh, it was as hard as it gets. Um, but had that out and then the plan was basically if the pathology is okay, if there's no further spread, 
if everything looks all right, then we can sit on that breastfeed for 12 months kind of a plan, which right. it was. Um, they weren't expecting anything on the other side. They only uh, We only had to take the other side out so that I could have treatment, but they also wanted to take it out sooner rather than later in case there had been spread because it had been quite a big gap in time, a whole pregnancy. Um, so it was totally fine. So I met with my specialist soon after surgery once we had the pathology she said yep we'll you know monitor in on the, in the interim every couple of months but unless anything changes the plan will be for treatment with the radioactive iodine around 12 to 13 months postpartum so that will be knocking on my doorstep fairly soon so I do need to fully wean him and that's something that I'm start like I'm getting my head around a little bit more and I'm reassured by having this big bank of milk um, in yeah. the freezer and also knowing that I've actively worked to make sure that he does take a bottle. We've opted for a bottle rather than a, a, a sippy cup or a, an open cup at the moment, just for personal preference. Um, but yeah, so we're kind of, we're working towards weaning and kind of tapering down. He's taking solids a bit better now, that lovely eight month block where they start to Actually get it a little bit actually yeah <laughs> actually a little bit more interested that never are before then I find so you know I can see him growing and getting bigger and changing and and I, I look at him and I know he's going to be totally fine I will be a mess but um, yeah he'll be okay but be um, totally and with the radioactive iodine how long afterwards can you breastfeed again it is has been, that's been one of the most difficult things for me to um, kind of not necessarily clarify. Like I found the research from it and I've spoken to pharmacists with it. Um, but in terms of getting clearance from my treating team has been near impossible. And I think, again, we just make breastfeeding so hard. Like it's mm. just this. There's always roadblocks. No one ever says, yes, let's actually really actively support you with research and evidence to try and make this work. Mm. Uh, so I need to fully wean four to six weeks beforehand so that there's no breast activity um, at the time because the, for those who might not know, the actual drug has a high affinity to breast milk. So rather than going to my thyroid, if I've actually got breast milk in my breast, then it will be drawn towards my breast tissue. So it's not actually going to work on my thyroid um, and it does ever so slightly increase your risk of breast cancer if it um, travels goes that way yeah mm. so it's kind of so it basically does not work so zip zero completely uh dried up um as, as much as possible beforehand the research kind of suggests waiting what we call if we get really technical like about 12 to 13 half lives of this drug and the half life is eight days so we're looking somewhere about a hundred ish that is about the three-month type of... Three months, yep. So I'm oh, that's safe. a long time, isn't it? It's a really long time. And you can't even why... be around your children for the first 10 days to two weeks anyway, can you? You have to be separate. Correct. Yeah, because I yes. know when I had radioactive iodine and, yeah, had to separate. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so Nothing that was I kind of... small children. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, you know, and knowing that this is a cancer that is quite common in, you know, kind of 30 to 40 year old women you know, these are mothers yeah. um, who have to navigate this you know breastfeeding or not they've often got young children so um, having to go away for such a, a stretch of time to explain that mommy needs to go to hospital she needs to have a tablet it's not safe for you but I will come home after x number of days you know um, really challenging to to kind of get their head around yeah, that. that separation for very little children yeah yes especially when I've been home you know, for most of their lives. Um, so, yeah, so then in terms of uh, the the radioactive iodine, we go separated, yep, seven to ten days. Um, I'm probably safe to relactate from what we gather in the research thereabouts after about 40 days um, and just not give it to Tommy. So I can start that relactation process of, you know, kind of stimulation and things like that. Um, I can actually keep that milk, uh, you know, like 
science is magic how we learn things you know like if I wait the same number of days so you know anything I pump from day 40 if I keep that in the freezer until day you know whatever day 100 day 110 um then there will oh, be the no radioactivity is gone the radioactivity will lessen yeah like oh, it's, still, it's magic. even in even in the freezer so um it's still, you know, and this is just stuff that no one, like, no one talks about. Um, you know, every Nobody specialist, you. yeah, every specialist said, no, nope, can't breastfeed because that's unfortunately, and that's just what their books say, um, and what their guidelines all say. Again, because it is such a big space in time, and the only way mm. to be able to breastfeed on the other side is to relactate. It's not like, say, some of the chemotherapy drugs where you can pump and dump um, mm. throughout and maintain your milk supply. I need to fully get rid of my milk start from scratch and relactating is not a very not a very it's not easy thing. and it's not funny and you could get through it no. and then find Tommy doesn't want a boob anyway because he hasn't yeah. had a boob for a while exactly exactly mm. and you know like my aim isn't even to get him back onto the breast you know I've um, I've had a couple of people ask me and I've always just said again similar to what my pumping goals were um, you know at the moment like if I had enough to give him 30 40 mil a day I would be thrilled with that like literally just some antibodies some extra booster um I would you know even kind of for me feeling like I'm still able to you know quote unquote breastfeed him to term um but then every so often I do think geez I wonder if he would actually get back on because he would be you know like a similar age to what my girls were when I fell pregnant and then my supply dropped and they fed throughout my pregnancies, but they mm. definitely fed less. So, you know, he would kind of come back at about a similar point to the age they were when they got a younger sibling. Um, so I do think, you know what, do I even try him? I don't know. Like I haven't, that's, you know, that feels so far ahead. I feel like I'm still pumping. I haven't weaned. I you know, haven't gone through treatment. I, haven't even started to relactate to see how that even goes. Um, I don't know what that looks like for me, um, but it's a long space of time. It really is. And it's, I have absolute empathy for mums who've just gone through, you know, like the absolute shit show of breastfeeding. You know, I certainly haven't had easy experiences in the newborn period, but that real grief and trauma element to, to breastfeeding, which I've always been passionate about talking about um, and been really um, empathetic about, now just feels so much more relevant and personal and tangible. So I, um, I have absolute empathy and all the time in the world and all the hugs and stiff drinks <laughs> uh, for mums who find themselves in the same you know or a similar kind of just challenging position because it's just so important that mums are at least heard if they can't get yeah. the right answers at, mm. at least being heard and feeling yeah. seen in that season Australian maiden-owned Chiara probiotics, isolated from breast milk, have been helping families for over 10 years. A proud supporter of World Breastfeeding Week 2022, Chiara is formulated to support health during pregnancy and breastfeeding while reducing symptoms and occurrence of mild mastitis. Take Chiara pregnancy and breastfeeding from preconception, your last trimester, or throughout your entire pregnancy and breastfeeding. Right now, you can get 15% off all of their range. Simply go to kiara.com.au, that's Q-I-A-R-A.com.au, and use the discount code TITSUP when you check out. Because the massive grief process that often people will just oh you can have another baby dear I know a friend that you know had to stop with chemotherapy and you know all that and our our children were young at the time and she got patted on the head and told there'll be more babies 
This was yeah. when the baby was five months old and she had to wean him and, you know, she was a medical scientist and knew what she wanted to do, but that was it. Yeah. You know, and you just yeah. go, oh, my God, you know, she had quite a long chemo thing. She did survive. She did have some more children. So yeah. even though nobody thought she would or could or should, but yeah, managed to yeah. You know, get another journey. But, you know, she wasn't thinking again about, I'm a mother and I could die. That wasn't her thought process. No. Was, I'm a mother and I have to stop breastfeeding my baby. Yeah. I just I want to mother my child. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Don't have yeah. a choice. And by five months, things are going quite nicely. But, mm. yeah, it was pretty horrible. So how's it all impacted your children? I I tried to, I think, just given how young they are, try and keep them as sheltered as possible. Like they, they really only knew... I suppose that initial surgery, um, I said, you know, again, I was so young. Like it was really only my two and a half year old, my 12 month old at the time would have had no idea what was going on. Um, but I just said, I, I remember basically saying that, you know, I had to go to hospital and the doctor had to fix my, fix mummy's neck is what we, is right. what yeah. we say. Yeah, which is about all, um, all they can cope with. Just got to fix, yeah, fix mummy's yeah. neck. Um, and we kind of carried on with that sentiment, really. So we've always just kind of stuck Band-Aids on and stickers and, uh, you know, can we play doctors and can we fix mummy's neck and we massage mummy's neck. And I was like, cool, yep, no worries. Um, and then it's probably only been really recently. Um, my beautiful four-year-old looked at me one morning because I pump every single morning soon after waking up. And she looked at me and she's always been a real thinker and feeler. And she looked at me and she said, Mum, why do you take the milk out of your boobies every morning and put it in the fridge? And I I just looked at her and I just thought, oh, goodness, she knows. She just sees, she sees everything and feels everything. And I told her, and she'd weaned by this point. She'd weaned late last year. And I said, well, you got to have boobies until you were three and a half. And Sissy's still having boobies and she's two and a half. But she won't get to have boobies for much longer. And Tommy, Tommy won't get boobies anywhere near as long as you guys. I said, He'll only be about one when he needs to stop having mummy's milk because mummy's going to go to hospital and have a special tablet that isn't safe for tummy to have. Um, and so at the moment I'm just taking the milk out and I'm putting it in the fridge so that when I do have that tablet, Tommy can still have some of mummy's milk. And she kind of looked at me and she said, so when you come home from hospital, then you can put the milk back in your boobies. And I went, <laughs> well, you understand the concept of relactation better than a lot Most of people. health professionals. <laughs> Yeah. I, I just laughed and said, yeah, Bob, yeah. Yeah, it's very normal for, yeah. Something like that. I just, I just, oh, it really floored me. Um, and so I have said to her, I said, I said, I've said, you know, like later on the year soon after Tommy turns one, mummy's going to go to hospital and I'm going to be gone for like a whole week or two. It's going to be a long time. But mummy might send you letters and send you, you know, that kind of thing and she's totally cool with that and then my two and a half year old I'd never said anything to because again she's she's a little bit more like she's pretty clued on there they both are but she's a little one she's a little, she's a little one yeah, yeah I've never kind of really said anything to her and you know she is on her way out she's weaning on her own um I kind of hope that she weans on her own before I have to um which, you know, like she might only feed a few times a week at the moment at most. So she is on her way out. But there was one day where she asked for asked for a feed during the day, which isn't that common. It tends to only be just before nap times um, and then dad puts it to bed at night. I looked at her and said, yeah, mummy's milk is going to have to go away soon. It's going to all disappear. And... She sat bolt upright and was like, well, where's it going to go? Like, and she was really, really sad. I was not expecting her to be emotionally connected because she's really on her way out and feeding for her hasn't been anywhere near as um, emotionally kind of triggered as it was with my first daughter. 
but it caught me and I just cried and I just thought, oh, gosh, like this is just a normal weaning process and I'm so thankful we got to this point because if I wasn't pregnant and I'm really cognizant of this, if I wasn't pregnant with Tommy at the time, I would have had treatment and she would have been 13 or 14 months when I weaned her. So we would have had the mm, same, story, same story except after baby number two and I wouldn't have had a freezer full of milk. And so I kind of look at it and go, I'm really thankful and I'm really thankful that she's, you know, kind of weaning earlier than my first did all on her own. So I hold lots of comfort in that, but, you know, I haven't had a part to play in that. But, yeah, that's kind of the first thing I ever said to her. Um, yeah, and where's then, it going to go? Because this is mummy and milk and yes. mummy and milk are just, you know, it's like mummy, I don't know, having, exactly. having eyes and a nose, really. Exactly. It's just part and parcel of who I am. Um, but I, I just said to her, I said, it's okay, but we can, we can still have cuddles. And she loves to hold boobs. Um, and so I said, okay, you can still hold mummy's boobies. And she was kind of like, okay, cool. You know, like, that's fine. <laughs> that's all right. Yeah. Great. Cool. Carry on. Who needs milk? You're doing um, such a good job. Just, you know, but it must <laughs> be a big emotional load on you working out, you know, how's it going to be yeah. for the kids and, you know, and I know you didn't tell yeah. people very much when you were diagnosed. I remember when you told me and you hadn't really told anybody and well, not many people and, yeah. You know, was that protecting you from their reactions mostly? A lot, yeah. It, I think that's the the biggest thing for me has just been the mental load. The mental load of anything, like the mental load of motherhood is just ginormous um, and something that I think we all have a very rightful whinge about because, you know, like there's just so much that no one else thinks about. But just kind of adding this onto my plate, um, it just really felt like it was, you know, kind of backbreaking to kind of carry around to, you know, even just thinking like uh, appointments and then going to appointments with fear and anticipation of, you know, what's going to be said and what's this going to look like and how's this going to change our plan because we didn't have a plan of care for such a long time because it just looked so up in the air. Um, so, yeah, very much so has just been a really, really heavy burden to carry. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, I didn't tell people for a really long time because I suppose mostly I wanted clarity in terms of what that plan looked like Um, but I also learned really quickly that it's just so hard to carry someone else's grief about your own situation and I shouldn't have to carry that like you shouldn't have to because it's not about them it's not them but they were all grieved um Mm. And I think it like it hit me like the you know that very first day when I told my husband walking through the door and I had to hold him, mm. and I just thought, oh, this is how it's going to look. And I remember calling my mom and you know like I like even through the phone like feeling like I had to hold her. You can't hold your own mum in that situation when you're the one with cancer, but you know you do the best you can. And I thought I can't tell anyone else. Like I just I just in that moment I went I can't I just yeah. I really can't. So we. I just said to my husband, I don't mind if you tell people, I don't mind what that looks like, but I'm not telling anyone because I just mm. can't, I can't bear that load yeah. of, you know, even saying it's going to be okay and this is what it looks like and reframing it all. I just didn't have that capacity. I wanted a normal, beautiful, healthy, happy pregnancy. I just wanted to yes. rel- relish yeah. in the season that I was in. I was planning a home birth. This is our last baby. Like this is just, I just wanted to enjoy this season. And indulge than... in the pregnancy. There's something beautiful, isn't there, about, yeah. That... Oh, absolutely. So it was after after I had Tommy, um, which, you know, by then it felt like really old news. It was kind of like I'd give people the really short version of, so by the way, like, you know, I had it, like I had surgery. Remember when I had that? Yep. So it came back. I had cancer, but it's fine. You know, it was the real yeah. short version and people are there trying to catch their breath. And I'm like, but anyway, moving on. Like, <laughs> cause I, I was uh, a bit more accustomed to telling people and also a little bit more flippant about it by then. Um, so what was helpful for you? Oh, gosh. Or if it's another mother, what would be helpful for her, I guess? How would you support a friend? 
I think ju- I think the one thing, and I've said this to my husband numerous times, that the most helpful thing is just someone saying, God, that sucks. Like mm. I just like that that nodding, that listening, and that sounds like a lot, like that just that real reflective listening of, oh, I, like I got you, like, you know, that must yeah. be really hard. And because if someone said that to me, I go, it does. Like it really does. Like this just, it's hard, it's heavy, it's burdensome, it sucks, I don't want to do it. I know I can do it rather than people going, oh, you're so strong. You're so courageous. I'm there in the corner going, I don't want to be strong. These are the last words that I want to be called. I don't want to be any of this stuff. I just want to be, Because it does freaking suck. And, and, it sucks and you beyond want to belief. And you too, don't you? Yeah, yep, yep. Like, you know, I just, I just, that really being heard. And then I suppose practically food. Food never goes astray. Like it doesn't matter yeah. if someone's born or sick or dying food is just the quintessential gift of life so we're still working our way through meal vouchers we just got one the other week so listen, this is just too hard in this season it's just the biggest gift like so I just think if someone was to rock up on my doorstep if that if they were to look like a 10 out of 10 <laughs> <laughs> they, would pop, they would pop in with some food Plunk yep. down on my couch and say, how are you going? And I'd say, oh, you know. Pretty crap. Yeah. <laughs> <Maybe. you> know, <laughs> yeah. I, I would I'd be struggling too if I was you. It looks like it sucks. And I go, yep, it sucks. And then they'd wander on out half an hour later. I think that would be like, oh, what a good friend, you know. Food and listening. It just doesn't, we, we try and complicate things. So that much good, but yeah, that is that's been the biggest gift. So I've I've got very a few number of people who can do the it sucks thing, um, but probably the most important people are really good at that. Like my hobby's gotten awesome at it. My mom's really good at. It. I've got a few friends who just don't even try to you know reframe. <laughs> they they know that I can reframe it very well, but I just need a it sucks moment. Yep. Um, so it's just been such a gift in that aspect. Right. So now let's go back to your work as a midwife and a lactation consultant. And what are your plans to manage work? Oh, you know. You've got some fantastic products, you know, so you're very creative. So some some things will tick along while you're out of action. Yeah, totally. So, yeah, I'm... I have refrained from going back to doing one-on-one breastfeeding consults purely because my brain just isn't there at the moment. Um, and I'm, I'm very much so a give all or nothing kind of person. Um, so if I can't be there 100% for clients, then I don't want to be there at all. That sounds terrible. Um, but I, I, I want to know that I'm not missing anything and someone's got my absolutely undivided attention at the moment my brain just feels like someone's made some jelly and stomped on it um so I have I've been kind of doing as much as I can business-wise just away uh, away from consults so yeah working on products has been such a blast I've really enjoyed it this you know kind of being in this season where I've had to pump um, and I've been navigating this myself has just made me even more passionate about having really good support. Like it was all stuff I was kind of really keen on doing anyway, but now it's just been really relevant to me. Um, And I've just gone, you know what, we can just do so much better. Um, So it's allowed me to really connect with mums in the same space, which is such a gift. I love kind of being able to breastfeed alongside clients. Um, I'm really going to miss it when I'm not. Um, so I've really loved that. And then I wasn't planning on returning to shift work as a midwife until Tommy turned one. I'm very fortunate to have that time off. Um, but one thing I'm really mindful of is that I have breastfed for what would be four and a half years by the time I wean without stopping. Um, and I have to wean quite quickly. So I'm, I'm, 
you know, I'm mindful that I might have a really big hormonal crash and what that might look like for me. And also with the thyroid. Yeah, yeah. I'm worried it's going to be a bit messy. So that is something I've chatted to my GP about and going, you know, do I delay my return to work by at least a couple of weeks while I wean just in case? Mm. Um, So we're kind of playing that by ear. I'll probably go back to work for barely a couple of weeks and then need treatment anyway. So what, you know, we're just, again, that's a really grey part and something that kind of feels like it's also on that, you know, that mental load of motherhood of me trying to figure out what the best thing to do is. But I truly don't know. Um, and the thing is only you can. I mean, looking on the yeah. outside, we'd probably say be kind to yourself, Kate, and just yeah. give up another six months before you even make a decision. But yeah, you know that's it's still your choice. You can't exactly. You know, we can't tell you what to do. You have to do what feels right for you. And exactly, you know, it's really hard. I mean, it can look black and white to other people. Yeah, just like weaning yeah. really it can be black and white to totally. other people. But but we're not in your face or your heart or your shoes or anything else. So yes, yeah. But yeah. you have got these fantastic products, so you're allowed to give them a plug. You know. Oh, thank you, Pinky. Um, I, I suppose everything I've done, I developed with like my own clients in mind. Like I, there was stuff that I just went, oh, God, how good would it be if I could see a mum and I'd be like, look, you know, here's this ebook, do this course, like, or here's this product. Like you just, here, like I've got it all sorted, boom, off you go. And that's kind of where it all started. And then I, kind of started to realize and almost be a little bit frustrated by the fact that there were companies and and businesses albeit often small businesses who had started off really well intentioned but they didn't necessarily support or really advocate for professional breastfeeding support so there I thought well if I've got my own little platform and little reach and I am a health professional and an IBCLC and a midwife, if I can create a product that links mums, that links customers with other IBCLCs, even if they just learn what the heck an IBCLC is, how cool would that be? Like that would be purposeful. And so that's kind of where I've expanded from. So I've gone like this is cool to have my own clients and then wouldn't this be cool to kind of raise awareness for professional breastfeeding support. So that's where I've kind of made my drive from. So I always want to educate and I always want to empower and I always want to support um, people where they're at. I just want them, I genuinely just want people to have bloody best journey that they can possibly have like it might not be what I would script for them it might not be what the next person would script for them but I want them when they're when their kids are having kids and you know their kids go mom like how did you feed me or like what would you know did you breastfeed or what does this look like and they'll be like oh grab a cup of ain't like let's sit down I'm gonna tell you and I want them to feel so much pride in their journey so that's kind of what underpins everything that I do that I just want that whatever uh-huh. it is for that woman oh, whatever it is whatever drives them whatever makes them feel at peace with their journey um mm. and that's all is what I do so I suppose most recently um it's been really fun so like I made a a, um, a breast pump flange tool that mums can like cut out print at home figure out what size um, flange they should be using because oftentimes they're using what came with the pump as we all have guilty as charged and it's hideously the wrong size so that's been really fun and then flange inserts and um, my next one is uh, silicon breast pump reusable not breast pump oh my goodness with milk bags silicon reusable milk bags thank you pinky um <laughs> Because I wanted something that I could use with one hand because I've always got a kid on my hip and I was just mortified by how hard it was to have to try and sort out milk and pump and then put a kid down and then pick him up and then 
faff around was if I could do something with a kid on my hip one-handed, my life was already so much simpler and it made pumping sustainable for me. And then I also just wanted the, the heart in me loved writing love notes to my future self on disposable milk bags. And so I sat with going, well, what the heck can I, if I had to choose one thing, if I had to choose one little phrase to put on every single bag because I would often write something different on all of them. And it was a friend who suggested it. Thank you, Kathleen, um, who said, what about the things we do for love? And I went, gosh, yes, because it's not about how much is in there. It's not about, you know, it's, it's, it's not a, it's nothing. It doesn't specify what season you're in. It's honouring that the milk that is contained in our really beautiful little bags is just symbolic of love, whether it's one mil or a hundred mils. It's that mum has worked really hard for that. And she has done that tirelessly or religiously out of love for her baby. It's liquid love. Liquid love. And so I have used I, I'm really, I, I adore the bags. I've been using them every single day for the last few months, um, tried and tested and 100% stand by them. And I love looking at it. I love looking at going, you know, the things that we do for love. And I'm so glad I, nothing else, I wouldn't want to change anything else that's written on there. I think and you good. also have a video that mums can, a video class about breastfeeding. I do, yes, yep. So I have, a, um, have an online course for mums, that's super, super simple. So, uh, you know, there's mums who couldn't get to, during lockdown, could not get to face-to-face classes um, or were struggling. I just thought this is, there's got to be a better way. So put together a course. It's, it's two and a half hours. It comes with a downloadable ebook. So if you need reference at 2 a.m. like we all do, um, there's heaps of support in that. And it goes through all the really common stuff through from internal expressing, you know, support from your partner you know, supply and demand, everything that you need to know, all the basics for breastfeeding. Um, and then I also went on to go, you know what, professionals need really good breastfeeding support. So I worked and I created a, um, a online uh, course specific for professionals working in the postpartum space. So that could be anything from midwives, doulas, GP obstetricians, osteopaths, whoever, anyone that comes across women um, who are breastfeeding. I just think we need to upskill. And I say that with absolute love and understanding because I was a midwife before being an IBCLC. I was in the same boat where I didn't have anywhere near as much education as I should have had. Um, but it's also about being able to access that. And that was something that I found really, really hard. Um, so I thought if I can make something that is accessible and supportive of all um, professions in that postpartum space, then how much better off will we be? Can we just start preaching the same thing and providing the same level of support um, and giving some continuity to our advice? Because that is what women desperately need. And you hear the so, women, you know, everybody told me something different. 100%. Yes. Mm. So if I can do my little bit to try and clarify that goodness then you know and all of those things are going to keep you going <clears throat> when yeah. you can't go and do shifts or you can't go and see mothers so you can sort of sit back and relax you're doing your bit you're doing a wonderful yeah. job and it's all still happening alongside you mothering your children you going yeah. through surgery you going radioactive iodine all that hard stuff You've still got yep. something else going on. So before we sign off, thank you so much for openly sharing your journey and the generous help you do offer to mums too. And where can people find more and how can they contact you? And I'll also pop those links into the show notes so people can come and have a look and, you know, off the website and go and find you too. But just quickly, your website, your Instagram, which is brilliant. Thank you. Um, yep, so my website is just www.milkybusinessoneword.com and on Instagram I am milkybusinesslactation and then 
same 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 on Facebook, but just milky business. Um, I am always around. I love. I think the the most beautiful thing about social media is being able to connect with mums. I absolutely adore that. It is a labour of love um, and it is really hard work. The more people that kind of jump on and follow, it gets a bit hectic and busy. But, um, and yeah, I suppose how I'm, the support that I'm able to provide looks a little bit different in this season of three kids and chaos. Um, But I, you know, I love it. I really, really do. It's such a, such a cool thing. And I think really awesome part about technology and, social media I think it's the best thing I've ever used it for um so I absolutely adore it but I have shared my journey really really frankly because I just I see so much value in how it helps other mums to know that you know like breastfeeding journeys don't have to look like perfection for them to be valid and then also that notion of breastfeeding grief and trauma and you know anything and everything in between, you know, I shared from like tongue ties and nipple damage for myself and, you know, pumping and just that real kind of raw picture. Um, so if anyone wants a, what a less, like. <laughs> a less polished um, midwife and IBCLC, I'm, I'm, I'm your gal. Uh, I'm not polished at all on there. I'm pretty, pretty raw and frank. Oh, that's why you're here sharing <laughs> your tips up journeys. Uh, oh, now a question I ask all of our guests and you know just because you're amazing in your field as a professional it's reassuring you, for other mums to know we're all mums mess up so can you share a tips up experience with our listeners oh I mean you probably just shared a whole <laughs> journey but if there's a special ep- oh. a special thing hmm. where do I start um with your kids my, something which my two and a half year old um, we're sitting at the dinner table um, the other night. So this is how, you know, this is how good it is because it's so fresh um, and fell off and chipped her front tooth. And I just went, oh, I'm going to look every everywhere for the next, you know, gosh, like four years or something until she loses that front tooth. I'm going to walk around with her and I'm going to look like I've got Joe Dirt as a child. Um, <laughs> And I'm going to look like the most neglectful parent. And she's prime in the stage where she's got like a real two and a half year old mullet. Um, so now she's got a real, and it's a quite a decent chipped front tooth. Mullet and a chipped tooth. And I just went, you know what? I just can't, I can't be everything for everyone. And I just let balls drop and this is what happens. And I'm just going to have to live with this every single day. And uh, what do you do? What do you do? But just Ooh. smile and carry on and go, it happens. It really does. It really does. <laughs> like, it really does. <laughs> I, this was unavoidable. Um, ah, just, yep. Yep. Mother, motherhood. <laughs> she looks like Joe Dirt and I just go, oh, this is really painful. But like, she's too. totally yeah. fine. She's awesome. Yeah. Um, but, Ooh. yeah. It's, uh, Until that tooth comes out. No, one of my grandkids did that at the park and lost a front tooth. Yeah. it's not great Super really eight. not great yeah. and it didn't look yep. great but you know he, he actually thought he was a big boy because he'd kind of lost it well you know the dentist had to take the rest oh. of it out because it was snapped off but you know just that he thought he was a big boy because he'd lost a front tooth because his older yeah. sister was getting wiggly teeth because she was old enough to have wiggly teeth oh, so, no. yeah no. yeah bad yep. so it's up, finally, bottoms up. <laughs> yeah what's your best tip for listeners on how to be the mum you want to be Oh, my goodness. If I had to choose one thing, if I had to choose one, I would probably say mother, the whole idea of mothering your inner child is something that really resonates with me, you know, because it's really, it's hard in that moment to, we're never going to be, we're never perfect. Good Lord, we're never perfect. Um, And it's really hard to maintain the standards that, we ourselves or society hold for us um but kind of looking at our children as though they are little versions of us um is something that always helps me to kind of come full circle and suddenly it doesn't matter like you know breastfeeding doesn't matter pumping doesn't matter work doesn't matter everything else just kind of fades away but it's what I am in that moment that lingers and it's 
the eye contact, it's the actual listening, it's the being present, it's the not being ragey, it's the acknowledging that's what kind of brings me back. And I just think, you know what, what would, if little Kate was coming and saying, mum, mum, can I please paint? And I just go, no, like, oh God, no, please. It's too messy. I've got a baby asleep. Like, can you just, just like, not right now. Like, this is just, can you just like nightmare? And if I look at, you know, one of my girls and just go, that's little Kate asking if she can paint, what would my response be? And it might not be, yeah, sure, but go for it. Like, paint the walls. It might be, look, we can in half an hour. Just wait till your brother wakes up. But it's it's like that yes, like that idea of going, can we just be the yes mum or, um, you know, the, the fun mum some days. But just looking at our child as though they are us and kind of seeing them. Because um, How I think would that I like helped. to be treated if I did that? Yeah, yeah. Or yeah. made that mistake or. Totally. Yeah. Totally. You know, I look at I look at my three and a half year old who's very sensitive, but I look at her and I can understand a lot of where she's coming from because um, I felt similarly at times. And so, you know, something as simple as whenever she's crying, I sit with her because I remember what it was like to sit and no one sit with me when I was crying. Um, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So I just think even I just sit go there back and say, there, yeah, and have that yeah. empathy. Yeah. So I just sit there and say it's like I ask her, I said, do you want mommy to stay or do you want mommy to go? And she goes, she'll often say, I want you to stay. It's like, okay, I'll just sit here. Would you like to hold my hand? You don't have to. I'll sit here until you're ready to talk. And that's something that I can, I've practiced and that's a muscle I've grown um, a lot. Um, there's other muscles I need to, I need to grow a lot more. We continue growing. <laughs> the Thank goodness. Yeah. But with, but with her, that's one that I've, I've, I've got because I vividly remember um, what that was like as a kid. And I, I've practiced myself thinking, okay, look at her as though you're looking at little Kate so that's probably oh, that's my top beautiful. tip yeah I really like that that's really beautiful mm. yeah <laughs> tits up ladies pull up your big girl pants we can do this we are mothers in the spirit of reconciliation I acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples as the traditional owners and custodians of this country and their connection to land water and community. We pay our respect to them, their cultures and customs, and to elders past, present and emerging. Thank you for listening to this episode of Tits Up. This podcast was produced by Dave Stokes. For more information, connections with our guests and special offers from our show sponsors, please pop over to my website and check out the show notes, www.pinkymccabe.com. I would love it if you could please share the love by leaving a review. Five-star reviews will help other mums to find this support and information too.